You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS 4 podcast studio. Welcome to another Colts Blue Zone podcast here in studio. I'm joined by Matt Adams and over the power of the Internet, powered by the Beach Grove Wi-Fi, infamously, Mike Chappell joining us uh, here as well. The pads are on and the gloves are off between Jonathan Taylor and the Colts management this week. We've got plenty to talk about at training camp that is actual on the field work but chap any discussion with the Colts right now after what happened last weekend needs to start with Jonathan Taylor the situation with uh Jim Ursay, etc etc back and forth uh between uh different parties um it's a uh, I, I loved uh, Matt's note here at the uh, at the top of our podcast saying it's another edition of as the horseshoe burns the <laughs> ongoing saga pitting a running back and his own team against one another it, it's crazy how quickly it's gotten to that point chap but it really does seem like, especially when things were at its hottest, at their hottest over the weekend, that this was really a uh, a uh, a not so nice interchange between two sides. And, and and you just have to wonder, what's the next step? I I I I don't know how this is resolved, other than Taylor needing to pass the physical and practice. I mean. I, Maybe you're smarter than me, Dave or, or Matt, but I don't know what his leverage is. A player's only leverage is, is to withhold services. But when you're under contract, it's just it's just I don't know I don't know where you go if you're the player because at some point, let's say when when, when they cut roster to 53, he's either active or he's not or he's on pup. And then if, if you're on pup, you miss the first eight games. So I don't know where it goes. This has not been handled well by either side. I hope we can agree to that. I think both sides are 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 right. I guess neither side is wrong. But having said that, when you get into an arguing match or with the owner, you're not going to win. Matt, I think that uh, the the best thing that could have happened, honestly, since. What happened over the weekend, the back and forth on Twitter? Like, I think the best thing that could have happened, besides Taylor getting a contract and being in, in practice, is just for things to cool down, for nothing to happen, you know? Because it was a bit of back and forth there for a while. It was Jim Ursay talking about running backs. It was uh, the Jonathan Taylor's um, agent firing back. And then saying that uh, to Ian Rappaport that he thinks that the uh, the, the – relationship between these two sides is is fractured beyond repair perhaps like the best thing that could have happened is just everybody simmer down yeah like no, just, no just new stop. contract no trade no anything <laughs> no twitter verbiage nothing like let it let it cool for a little bit let it simmer let let it marinate and, and for the love get some cool heads on both sides so that you can take the next logical steps forward and, and chat makes a good a couple good points here that like both sides have good points that I, I could sit here and like everybody who's listened to this podcast know that I like to make an argument like I, I and and I have I have strong feelings on certain topics um, and and I try to make an argument on one side. And then it's really difficult for me when I have strong feelings on one topic to make a strong argument for the other side, because. Because I don't think there is one for, for the most part in those usually, times. Usually you, you push all the chips yeah, in, you exactly. know. Exactly. But in, in this case, like, I feel like I could try to put, push all the chips in on both sides, even though Mike's point about uh, not uh, the, the, that Taylor doesn't have too much 
like, there's not much leverage that he has against. Right. The there's team. not much he can no, do. I, I mean, I still see the arguments for both sides why they are at this impasse and why it is so difficult to work out a situation where both parties are happy moving forward. Well, yeah, I, I mean, as far as Taylor's concerned, yeah, withholding the services is the only thing that he can do. And then, I mean, the only other thing would be the nuclear option for him, right? Where he doesn't get any contract from the, the team and he just doesn't play. And I, what, what would that even look like? You know what I mean? Well, he would, he would leave camp. He would leave camp. Uh, and a player under contract, I believe it's $40,000 a day, and that adds up very quickly. You know, one, one thing that it's worth mentioning or, or pondering in all of this, since last year, there was very much optimism on extensions for, for Taylor and Pittman. Maybe more so for Taylor because you're not talking receiver money. That has cooled quite a bit. It's not cool. It's gone away. So, again, how this is resolved, it one thing the team really doesn't need to do is to go to DEFCON 1 and put him on non-football injury. Then you're really you're pushing him in, into a corner of no return. But, but one, the one thing that has changed in all of this, and I'm not talking about Taylor, I'm not talking about the ankle, that's supposed to have a six-week recovery time, and we're, what, six months or seven months into it. But but what? how does Shane Steichen, how, how does he look at his roster? How does he look at his the makeup? How does he look at, do you need to invest $13, $14, 15000000 million in a running back? And, and that's, that's to me, that's very real to, to wonder is, is, has his view of the roster and prime positions changed. He's been asked a lot about, and he's been involved like with, with backfields by committee. Who was it? Miles Sanders last year in, in Philly was at 1,200 yards and I don't know, 11, 12 touchdowns, whatever it is. And Philly let him go. So is it for the, the coaches and GMs that believe you can, you can thrive with a backs by committee, do they believe that because they really believe it, or they haven't had a feature back. You know, if you have a feature back, do things change? So I, I it, let's keep in mind that maybe Shane Steichen has kind of said, wait a minute, guys. Because remember one of the things that Chris Ballard told us when camp opened is, well, you know, we were at a four-win team, and these coaches have not gotten their eyes on these guys yet. Well, it's fair to say that Steichen still hasn't gotten his eyes on Jonathan Taylor. So – a lot of variables, and, and like like Dave said, and I agree. Is I remember in college we had college debate, and they would get, they would just give you a topic whether you believed it or not. But I could strongly argue in both teams' favor, or in both par- parties' favor. The problem is when this goes public, and the the agent says dumb stuff, and he said dumb stuff, and the owner says things. And the more the owner talks, you can parcel what he says like, boy, that was stupid. And it just simply does not help negotiations. That's why Chris Ballard drives us crazy. Well, you all know I'm not going to talk contracts, and he doesn't. But when other people talk contracts, it gets really nasty. And that's that's all that's all that we had to ask Jim Irsay, chap, about uh, on Saturday when he was oh, yeah. up there on the. Then that's the only thing that we, we we should ask him. And Jim Jim kept on talking as he is one to do. Um, and I, I thought the most 
Uh, the, the one thing that stuck out to me from everything he said was very, very near the end of what he had to say, saying, hey, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one's going to miss us. Um, that, that seems like his, his attitude in this talk is like, don't, don't think you're bigger than you are. And, and I don't want to put words in his mouth specifically, but that's, that's what it came across as to me. Like, they're, they're going into this discussion. Like, he, Jim Irsay is going into this discussion, this contract scenario, um, treating it in that type of a manner. What, what stuck, out, stuck out to you about uh, listening to Jim when he was speaking to us on Saturday? Exactly. And I understand what he's saying. That there's no such thing as the indispensable man, unless you're Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen and a handful of players. But also, and, and again, here's where he's trying to, to state facts, and it, it rankles people, is you all know me, no organization, I mean no organization hand, treats its players better than I do. And he's thinking of Shaq and Quentin and go, going back to the Mannings and the Freenies and Mathis and all these guys that he's paid. But then you've got Jonathan Taylor saying, wait a minute, what about me? So I understand what Ursay's saying. He has over paid all the time to retain his own talent because that's what you do. But he can be very right in saying, I pay my players and I treat my players well. And he's got one guy saying, well, you know, not everybody. So again, it, it's it's kind of like, what do you, what do you want to hear? And uh, there were some things, like you said, that the one about if I die and he's gone, I understand what he's saying, but it just doesn't play well. No organization uh, in the NFL treats their players better, uh, unless the player's named Carson Wentz, of course. Um, and, <laughs> and you knew I had to throw that one out there. Uh, because uh, if, if your name is Carson Wentz, then we'll, we'll kick you out the door and make sure you stumble on your way out and badmouth you for the next six months. Uh, so a- a- anyway, uh, that, that, I just st- st- still rankles you a bit, huh? I-, I needed to get it off my chest. And, and, and there <laughs> you, got any mo- you got any more to talk about a guy that's still a free agent? Well, I, I have plenty more, but I, I don't need to talk anymore <laughs> about it. Yeah, but that's a good point, chap. That is a very good point. But, but you're right. It, it's one where you give a blanket statement that there's a whole bunch of truth to it. There really is. Yes, there is. And, and then you've got a few exceptions where they say, wait a minute, and I would say Taylor's got a better argument than Carson does, but we're not going down that rabbit hole because we're not. I, I would compl- not. I would completely agree with you for the record. Yes, <laughs> but, but, but that, that's like, again, it's Taylor, and we've talked about this. Taylor is you talk about timing. Timing in life is everything. The right place, right time. This is the absolute wrong time for him for any running back. I mean, Dalvin Cook and Zeke Elliott are still out there. You know, Austin Eckler wanted to trade. He's still with the Chargers. So you have very, very uh, – again, I don't want to say Taylor has no options. He's got a little le- – he's got no leverage, I think. He, he, he's got options. Most of them aren't good ones for him. If you're, if you're trying to give, give him anything, it's like his presence on the field would help Anthony Richardson for sure, Matt, if you're talking about the running back situation. And the fact that, that Zach Moss – breaks an arm, the presumable number two running back, and could miss up to six weeks. Maybe he misses the beginning of the regular season uh, in that timeline. Um, it, it just, the, you get cycled back one more in, in the, in the uh, running back depth chart. Um, you, you're not putting your best product out there on the field. If, if your prime goal this season is to develop Anthony Richardson, you want the best talent around him. That, I think that's, that's one, um, 
like one piece of evidence that you can put in Jonathan Taylor's corner. Say, hey, you want you want this quarterback to be the best that he can possibly be. You need the best possible people you have around him, and I'm absolutely one of those people. Well, I think people have been salivating all offseason about the run option game and, and the RPOs involving Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson. And you knew that, you know, with the passing game being something that's a work in progress with Richardson, that they're probably going to lean on that run game a little bit with him, especially with some of the deception they'd be able to do with those two players. Jonathan Taylor is uh, hands down probably the, the Colts' best offensive player um, as, as far as a known quantity goes. And to not have him there in the lineup and now having Zach Moss hurt, it just, you know, uh, Chap was right. He doesn't have much leverage, but he does have a little bit there because they really need to get him on the field. Well, the, 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 one, the one stat that, that was thrown out there, just truly amazing, is with Taylor and Moss both out, the player with the most career rushing attempts is Gardner Minshew. I mean, you know, come on now. So, and again, it's the the old deal about you know, come September tenth, if if Moss isn't ready and Taylor's not out, there there will be a running back, Deion Jackson, whomever. But I always argue with Tony Dungy about this. Is I'd argue about a player, a position, and something with injury. And he's I said, boy, you don't have any depth there. He said, well, we have depth. Well, he's talking about bodies, and I'm talking about players who you feel very confident, comfortable going into games with. This this will resolve itself one way or the other. But to, to say, and it's really kind of funny, we were talking in the press room the past few days, is every day you need to ask Shane Steichen, which someone did today, whether it was Kevin or you, Dave, I, I wasn't there today, but anything new on Jonathan Taylor. And you have to ask him because the day you don't, is the day that something happens. So he doesn't want to talk about it at all. You know, right now he's with the team, blah, blah. I understand that. But this, again, this isn't a, a rookie running back, Evan Hall, whatever. Th- th- this is your guy. And, again, he casts such a large shadow, which I, I wrote about today, about the difference in, in JT not practicing. And, again, is this a hold-in? Is this one where he, you know, he's doing this because he he does he, he really wants to drive home his point? And Michael Pittman, who's playing, he wants a new contract too. And he, he sort of said, yeah, I want one. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I will play out the contract. It, it's they're, they're separate situations, certainly, because of the positions. Taylor gets paid. He gets paid $14 million, roughly. Pittman gets paid. He gets paid, I don't know, $25 million. So there is a difference, but uh, I'm just fascinated. And, boy, at some point, please resolve this because it it does tend to steal the oxygen from the air as long as JT's there wearing his hoodie and looking on like he wants to be somewhere else. And he wants to be somewhere else. Yeah. Well, he wants to be on the field, just he wants uh, a lot more in his bank account uh, to be on the field. So, yeah. Um, I'll I'll add this about Pittman. Like, I I get the sense from from just talking to him – and from my own, my own two cents, <laughs> that like he's fine with playing this, like totally fine with playing this last year on the la- of his deal, because after this year he could be and he should be worth more uh, than he is now. Like any contract that he signs after this year, I think will be more valuable than he could get right now, especially from the Colts. Um, and, and he'll be a free agent at that time because I don't think the Colts are going to franchise him at that time. Right, Mike? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I think 
trying to, 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 to look into Pittman's mind. He's a fascinating guy. I really like talking to Pitt. I really do. I think he believes he will get top money on the free agent market. And he's probably right. He's probably, you know, if he goes out there and gets 90 catches, 1,200 yards, and half a dozen touchdowns, he, he will probably command more on the open market than the Colts will be willing to pay him. And got, good for him if that happens. That's one reason it's always best to get an extension done a year early because you just don't know. But I'm, I'm really convinced that Pitt believes he's going to really hit the lottery in the open market. More, he'll, he'll get more on the open market than he will from the Colts. I'm, I believe he's, he's convinced of that. I, I don't know what he's going to do this year, Matt. I really don't because it, it, there's there's just such a there's such an I don't know factor with the quarterback with the Colts right now. Whether it's be Gardner Minshew or Anthony Richardson, how much of a run focused offense is this going to be? But in terms of what he has done, he took a significant step from year one to year two. Uh, in his NFL career, had a really good year with Carson Wentz throwing him the football, showed that he was a deep threat in that year. And then last year when the Colts just had no offensive line and no quarterback with a significant arm to speak of, he showed that he could still catch nearly 100 balls, and if they had just force-fed him one stupid ball in that last to, yeah. game, would have gotten to triple digits. So he showed that he can be that guy that you go to consistently even in the short game throughout the week and try to get throughout the uh, throughout a game and try to get something done that way so I think he showed a little bit different aspects of his game like this year I, I really do unless he gets injured and I always add that caveat this year is 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 gravy and he could show true that he's taken a further step forward to be a dominant wide receiver or like there's really very little like I said, injuries aside, very little steps back, I think, that he could take in terms of what he gets in a contract after this season. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Pitt, Pitt's a solid player. He's proved he's a solid player. But, again, this may come back down to, to something that, that Mike suggested about the, the coaching staff, kind of wanting to see what we've got before we you know, invest another two or three years and several million dollars in a guy. I will add before we move on here that uh, the Colts did sign you in the uh, stud running back Toriano Clinton to kind of fill out the depth chart at running back uh, the school's all time leading rusher. I know because I kept showing highlights of him last year every week. It was Toriano Clinton, 70 yard run, Toriano Clinton, 80 yard run. So every week he was doing something special. Uh, we'll see if he can light it up uh, here as well. Um, let's get to Anthony Richardson's discussion here. Uh, had a, a little bit of a procedure and maybe a minor procedure, but still when you're talking about facial surgery, surgery. Uh, it sounds like there's something significant there, you know, uh, might, might be a minor in the sense that he returned, uh, to practice the, the very next practice, which is nice. You only miss one, uh, one day of practice. Um, but, uh, nevertheless, uh, it, it was funny chap. He, he talked, uh, talked in front of us earlier this week saying he laughed it off saying, yeah, I can breathe now. And that, that seems like a pretty important quality to have as a starting quarterback in the NFL. What's crazy. And he really wouldn't address it and Shane Steichen didn't either well Shane said we wanted to get it done on the off day on Sunday so he wouldn't miss more time well why didn't you get it done you know July 1st you know so so he doesn't miss any time this isn't like he showed up in the third day of practice he got hit in the face and all of a sudden his nasal septum was was crooked so it's just it's just you just scratch your head he only missed one day it's not it's not a super big deal but why not take care of these things when there's nothing going on and you got two days you can recover? And I don't know. And, and even even uh, AR didn't really 
elaborate much. He said, we just wanted to get it taken care of. Now I can breathe better and all that. So just one of those kind of, kind of quirks about, well, why didn't you do this like a month ago? Yeah, in that in that light, like I, I certainly am not putting any blame on Richardson for that. Once you bring up the issue to the Colts, that's on them to get it fixed, you know. And um, but but you can certainly question what the Colts have done, and 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 you pair that with stuff that uh, chap that that have has happened even just this year when they've said all year or all since drafting him that he needs reps, he needs reps, but then they cancel, you know, the last day of minicamp back in June and they, they cancel a day of practice where he could have gotten reps. And here they, they do this surgery. They wait all the way until train camp has already begun and he misses, misses another day of reps. And you're right chap to say that it's only one day, but when small decisions like this stack up and, oh, it's just one day here, it's just one day there, it's just one day there, then, then that, that's, what leads to, that's what leads to teams losing their season openers eight or nine years in a row. That, that, that's how I feel about the issue. If, yeah, if we, boy, if we only had those 20 reps uh, in training camp and, I don't know, 30 or 40 reps in veteran mini camp, so it, it, it just, it's just unnecessary, I, I guess, is the point. And, for a team that says every rep matters and every rep's important and this, that, and the other, well, you just annex or you just nixed about, I don't know, 20 or 30 reps for the kids. So it, it, it probably won't matter later on, but it's worth it's worth kind of putting a little red tag by those two days that he missed and, and, and see if it matters. It probably won't, but maybe it does. And, and that's the thing, Matt. Like, it, it might not matter, like Mike is saying. It, it seems like a minuscule amount of work when you look at the entire picture. But with the Colts, it's just the low-hanging fruit there that, like, you, you've, you've had such trouble starting the season in years past. Shouldn't you be at your best to be at your best in week one? Do everything you can to, to not fall behind during this time of year. Just get ahead of it, I, I think, is just kind of the, the, the thought that I had. Like, I, I understand it's not a, like a major procedure that he had. It's not anything that's really going to, you know, detract from his, his season or anything like that. But you could have gotten it done like four weeks ago and, and then it would be done. Nobody would be talking about this right now. Now, I did have a question. Uh, were, were there a lot of fans at training camp on Monday? Um, I wasn't there on Monday. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Was oh, yes. Because it, 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 it yes. was kids' day. Now, yeah. this is where – this was my thought as, as a fan. Because Friday, they were supposed to have kids' day. We had that weather that came through, so they were not able to hold their practice outdoors. They had to go to the indoor facility. So – that meant fewer fans got to got to see that. So right. they, they they rescheduled Kids Day and they had a lot of probably thousands of fans on Monday. And then there's this quarterback that everybody's excited about on this day where they know they're going to have a lot of fans. He's had his procedure and he can't practice. Uh, and, and that that was my thought was kind of a womp womp, womp on womp. that. Yeah, no, I I didn't even think about that. Like I well, yeah. The the only the only thing is he was out there. He he was he he went through the motions and he did his the drops and all this stuff. But yeah, you're, it's not the same. It's it's kind of like if you want to go to an NBA game and you want to watch, you know, Steph Curry play, and you pay a bunch of money when he visits the Pacers, and that's the one day he doesn't practice or doesn't play, so so you're screwed. But yeah, it, it it's it's just strange, and I hope we get very quickly to the point to where he is the focus, you know, and we can talk about that quickly. But he he took all the reps today. You were there today, Dave, and I I missed it, but. He's out there. He needs to – Shane was saying, well, he, he took all the reps today and the previous day because he missed Monday. He needs to take every rep because he needs to take every rep with the first team, period. So we'll see how this thing goes um, unfolds going forward. But he needs to be the first-team quarterback until he proves he's not ready to be the first-team quarterback. 
Yeah, and, and I'll, uh, on that note, he, that question was in, in response to a uh, question, that response was in a, to a question that Stephen Holder of ESPN posed, and I'll credit Stephen, we were talking about this, Stephen and I, back and forth uh, before the press conference, and he was, he was pointing out that uh, this was the third practice in a row where Richardson has practiced, that he has taken all the first team reps. So the only one in there that he didn't was the one where he was out because of the surgery. So, so three practices in a row that Richardson practiced, he has taken all the first team reps. And, and that is not an insignificant uh, factor. I, like, I, think, I don't think it's, you're, you're not gonna sharpie him in as the starter right now, not, uh, not even close. But, but to have him out there three straight days where he is practicing, uh, I, I think is a significant step forward that they are trying to get him more involved in that first team. And like you said, Chaps, give him as many reps as possible. And, and the fact is that Gardner Minshew is not running away with anything. He doesn't look like he's leaps and bounds, heads and shoulders, pushing the ball downfield, lighting up the offense better than, than anyone else out there. So I like the more that I see it right now, the, the more that things go forward, and if they continue on this track, like I don't... I would not be surprised if Anthony Richardson is the starter in game one, just based on what we've seen through what has been the first half of training camp in Westfield so far. I know there's a lot to go, but, but it's not like Gardner is starting out with this massive lead that Richardson has to catch up to right now. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I think, it, you know, again, they will show, I've said this from the start, they will show us, they will show us how they feel about Richardson and his readiness by how they handle camp. His reps in camp, and I think they're starting to show that in my mind. Yeah, and we'll we'll see a lot more when when it comes to training camp as well, and when the the Bears are here in town, and who's getting reps with first team in there when they go to Philadelphia and they're playing first team reps with the Eagles. But uh, certainly, wanted to, to update all of our listeners about about that as well, because like I said, like three practices in a row where you take all the snaps with the first team that you're out there. I I think that is uh, a, a significant uh, step forward. Also. Uh, Let's see. Um, he is uh, now 100, 250 pounds, is uh, Anthony Richardson. He said he played at 240 when he was he at Florida. He just threw that out there, didn't he? It was yeah. kind of funny how he, how he did that. Oh, by the way. Oh, yeah. I'm also 250 pounds. Yeah. Matt, Matt, uh, Matt Adams writes here, like a taller Derrick Henry-sized quarterback. You like that, Matt? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine trying to tackle? I mean, he already looks big yeah. and everything, but I, you, when you think about that, like a quarterback-sized Derrick Henry trying to corral that guy. He's a big Crazy. dude, yeah. So who can throw the ball and move around in uh, in, in very fun ways to, to watch. So uh, a lot a lot more to watch over the next couple of weeks of training camp with him for sure. Uh, pads are on. We got weekend practices uh, August fifth and August sixth, Saturday, Sunday, both already sold out uh, this weekend. Uh, tickets are available as of this recording uh, for the August 8th practice, which would be next Tuesday, uh, and then uh, beyond that as well. Next week, of course, leading up to uh, that first preseason game in Buffalo, which if you're in central Indiana, you can watch. I believe it's on Fox 59 uh, here locally. I don't think it's our partner CBS4. I think it's Fox 59. Um, but uh, but, but for, the, for the first preseason yeah, game, first preseason it game. is actually CBS 4. Well, there you go. It is CBS yeah, 4. It is CBS there you 4. go. Thank yeah. you, Matt. Le- leave, it to, leave it to Matt to know what's going on and, and, and not me. Well, that's according to the Colts website. I, nothing from the station management that I know. Okay, oh, fair enough. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, so, so let's see. Um, uh, Matt, Matt's throwing out a uh, what have you seen in camp so far, a uh, kind of a generic thing to get us rolling uh, here as we uh, turn the, uh, the corner to the second half of our podcast. Uh, uh, Matt says he's said the name, seen the name Michael Straw, and of course, uh, and, and I agree, like he, he will make some flashy plays during camp, and he does so every year. Chap, what does Straw have to do 
to earn more than just a uh, reputation as a camp standout and have an actual role on an NFL team? Make, make the the, the play, make the routine plays. He had that one great one where he reached over the DB and and, and pulled it in. Then he kind of waved to the crowd or he kind of exhorted the crowd to get going. But 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 this this is his make or break season. It's it's to me it's a relatively deep uh, receiver group as far as guys who who should make the roster. You know, with, with Pittman and Pierce and Downs and and on and on. But he, his time to me is running out. He he's shown flashes, and doggone, he's got the size you want. Got his was it Reggie called him Megastron, uh, but. At some point, he's got to make the, the day-to-day routine plays to show it to show he's he's worth keeping on the roster. I'm not sure I'd keep him again on practice squad, because at what point do you say enough is enough? Yep, uh, and, and I agree that uh, he he's made a couple of splash plays here and there, um, and the one that Chap alluded to, the one that uh, that really stuck out in this camp, uh, is is there for sure. But uh, until you can until you can rely on him to to be a, uh, a consistent uh, catch the ball because that is important well, as kind a wide of important receiver. for a wide receiver. Yeah. Um, then, and he's also like like you look at the depth chart this year. You've got you've got Pittman. You've got Pierce, obviously going to be on the roster. You've got Ashton Doolin, who's obviously going to be on the roster for special teams. Josh Downs, your rookie, obviously going to be on the roster. That's four right there spots immediately that you can say 100 percent are taken. You also have Isaiah McKenzie who they signed in free agency from the Buffalo Bills. You have Brashad Perriman, who's a veteran. They signed in free agency recently. They have the guy that they just signed a couple days ago this week, Amari Rogers, um, who's So you have three veterans there as well, uh, vying for maybe a fifth or sixth spot. And then you have other guys like Mike Strawn, who have uh, been on this roster or practice squad, like Ethan Fernea, like last year, that, that are in, in, the same, in the same vein as him trying to battle for, for these last spots. You have to really impress uh, and you have to be consistent, and uh, and I you just you haven't seen um, you haven't seen that from Strawn right now. No, you, so. you you get splash plays, but yeah. you know then you you don't get the other the, the smaller things from him and, and the consistency as you guys alluded to. I'll say yeah, this. Yeah, and again, this is what this is year three. Exactly. And, and at some point, you know, you keep waiting, you keep waiting, and you don't want to give up on a guy who has the clear physical skills that you look for. I mean, what's he again? He's listed as is he six five and what's his? Uh, he's a big dude. Uh, That's what yeah, I, know. I just yeah. But the, but at some point you just gotta say no. It's not gonna work. Maybe it works elsewhere. It won't won't work here. I'm not saying give up on him now, but this is a huge uh, training camp and these three preseason games. Uh, at some point again, the lights gotta go on and you gotta be the guy day after day. And right now he's been a guy occasionally, which is not good enough. ESPN has him listed as 225, 6'5", 225, so he's yeah. a load. Well, he's no Anthony Richardson, but he's still uh, <laughs> still plenty big out there. Hey, <laughs> That's right. uh, yeah, uh, a few other uh, names. Uh, Will Mallory had a decent day. He had a really nice one-handed snag today, Mallory did. Um, in, I think it was in 11-on-11. 11 11. So uh, he, even yesterday when he came off of Pup 
and today as well, he had a couple good plays. You see immediately what, what the Colts like in him. And like he has, I think, a, a ways to go to make the roster too because uh, to, to really have an impact, he would have to take over that Kylan Granson role. And Kylan's been just fine himself too. So Wait, they're, they're, Big year for Kylan. It sounds like he's, it he's had a n- really nice camp. Massive year, I think, for Kylan as well. I think that he could take a significant step forward with this offense. Uh, and because he, he's the guy that – like he's the more unique guy among the, uh, the top tight ends. and the, the, the big, massive, huge guys like Mo Alley-Cox, uh, Drew Ogletree – um, Jelani Woods, like Kylan is a different, different variety of tight end. Uh, like there's, there's two different really types or players that, that, that are there that you, that coaches will use differently. So, um, so I think there's, there's a lot of room for Kylan there, but, but Will Mallory is going to push him for sure. And, and if he keeps making plays like, like he did uh, in, in camp today, then, then he'll certainly give the coaches a lot to look for. And he needs to stay healthy too, because he missed time uh, during the off season. He missed time here at the start of training camp. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's been nice to see a rookie making a couple nice plays, um, on defense chap, we needed a cornerback to do something, uh, especially with Juju Brent still out, but, uh, Daryl Bakel Jr. Made an interception today. Uh, had a good pick of, uh, of Anthony Richardson. Um, he continues to make plays. And right now, I mean, if you're looking at, if you're looking at the most impressive cornerbacks, I mean, you have Dallas flowers and, and Daryl Baker Jr. Probably your one, two cornerbacks. I mean, two undrafted guys. Exactly what they had penciled in to exactly. start the year. You have like a hundred or 150 combined snaps in between them. That, that would be a, a scary situation, but B it might be what the culture staring at right now. If Brent's especially cannot get up to speed and get actually on the field and start practicing. Yeah, because, I mean, you're, you're talking outside corners because Kenny Moore. Yes, 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 yes. Of right right now, Kenny Moore's the best, best guy, and Kenny Moore's having a great camp. He's just always around the ball. But, again, they, they really want him to be that nickel slot guy and really focus on that and and, and, you, and maximize his skills there. But what Darius Rush returned to practice, or not return, practice for the first time today. I believe, David, again, you were there. And he's been having apparently a shoulder issue, and he missed most, if not all, of OTAs and vet camp with a was it a hamstring? One of the guys with a hamstring. And Juju Brents, I mean, holy smokes, we've all just sort of accepted that he's going to be the starting corner uh, against the Jaguars. He missed all the offseason work, which was I don't know twelve or thirteen uh, practices. He's missed now six camp practices, he has yet to practice on an NFL practice field. And I, I, I think Joel Erickson mentioned that he, that he stayed after practice and he was working with trainers. I think that's an encouraging sign. He's got that hamstring. So I don't care how much potential and, and optimism you've got for a young player. He better get some practice in before he's thrown out there against these quarterbacks because uh, I don't care who the quarterback is, even the mid-tier quarterbacks, uh, they will be more than a, a rookie corner can handle just simply because of the position. So they need Juju Brins to practice ASAP. Yeah, it, 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 this is very much twofold, Matt. The Colts need him to practice 
and Juju himself needs to practice. This is not a matter of, well, he can just slide in whenever he gets in. Like, it has got to be immensely frustrating for the Colts' defensive coaches to not have the guy who was the second-round pick who everybody thought would have maybe not a shoe-in, but would be at least leader in the line to start week one. Well, and, you know, and it's not the guy's fault he had a hamstring injury, but when they drafted him, they knew he had the, the wrist surgery and he was coming off that. So they expected, okay, yeah, you're going to take a little time to get up to speed on this. We, we, we can live with that. We'll, we'll go ahead and draft him and, and, and put him in. Um, and then, you know, you have the Isaiah Rogers thing, which means it's going to speed up the timetable for him to really be a contributing factor in the defense. And then now it's the hamstring. So even though you had allowed this time for the wrist injury, to kind of get him up to speed. Now you got the hamstring, which is something you don't want to mess with when you're talking about cornerbacks. And so now he's just not getting any reps, and that's just not a great situation for your rookie. Linebacker Sagun Alubi also been around the ball quite a bit here in camp. He is also a name that uh, that Matt uh, wrote down here, and I agree. He's had a couple of of nice plays. It's going to be, again, a a long road to hoe to get any playing time. He's more of a special teams type guy if you have uh, your top three linebackers are very much etched in stone here with the Colts. And uh, wide receivers, Isaiah McKenzie, Josh Downs. You know, Downs made a really nice route today to, to shake a defender and get open but then I think you drop the ball after that so uh, yeah if you if you you shake your defender you you better you better daggum catch the ball and uh, and and complete the play Um, let's see here offensive line continuity next thing next topic of discussion here that unit's still the same Um, from left tackle to right tackle you got all the same guys who were who were here last year who gave up 60 sacks and um, I I would say I would say right now there they have been nothing Chap, you can you can say uh, if you are if you disagree with me, but I don't think the offensive line has been anything particularly impressive during training camp so far. The D line is still getting to the quarterbacks, maybe not with often regularity, but but more so than you would like. I see them, whether it's Minshew or Richardson, uh, bouncing around a lot more than you would like to see the quarterback. But like that could also a little bit be their styles. They're both kind of a little bit more mobile guys, especially Richardson. And if he's a rookie, he's going to have happy feet more often th- than not. But like I just see the quarterbacks moving around a little bit too much in 11-on-11 work. And the limited time we've seen them uh, in, in full pad practice uh, to, to, to be able to say, to put a stamp of approval on the offensive line and to be able to say for sure that uh, they've made some improvements from last year. That's something I think that is still mu- very much to be determined to work in progress right now to see exactly how the offensive line has improved from a year ago. We, we won't know until the Buffalo preseason game, uh, the, 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 the joint practices with the Bears, maybe the Bears preseason game, although I, I don't know how much the front-line players play. The, the offensive line, to me, is the hardest area to, to judge during camp because it, it just is. Because you can't, you know, it's funny how running backs will break through the line and run for 40 yards. The crowd cheers, and the defense says, I'd have had him here for a three-yard loss or a five-yard gain until they really get out there against other, against real uh, solid defenses. Buffalo will have a solid defense. And you see how efficient they are, either run blocking or protection. The continuity thing, I I sort of chuckled when when I read that. Uh, they had that continuity last preseason too. Start to finish, same guys, didn't miss any time, and then they went right in the, you know, in the, in the dumpster. I almost got us in trouble with an obscenity, but I didn't. <laughs> Thank you, Chad. Uh, but but again, we'll see. I, I'm encouraged by Ryman, by Bernard. I am, 
but again, you just don't know. And I think that's going to be when you get past the quarterback and if we can forget about JT, I've said that the biggest situation, the, big, the biggest determinant for the season is how does the O-line play? If it can play at a decent level, again, I'm not saying top 10, but, but play at a decent level, they got a chance. If they're as inconsistent as they were last year, especially early, they have no chance. The clear message, chap, from uh, the powers that be on high, meaning Chris Bauer in the front office, was that coaching was the problem last year because they certainly had the opportunity to go out and, and make some moves in, in free agency. They would have cost some money, of course, to bring in veteran guys, but they brought back the entire starting five of last year who admittedly got better as the season went on, but it was hard to get worse from where they started, to be fair, when the season went on. And they, they just had Tony Sperano Jr. as a offensive line coach and said, hey, go go fix what was broken. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I, I don't agree with that approach. I just don't. Uh, coaching is vastly important. It's a player's league. Players win, players lose. Uh, they're just expecting big things from Bernhard Ryman again in year two. They probably will get it. But then you're expecting your three cornerstones to play better. And if they do, fine. If they don't, like I said, a little chance. They did uh, get a, uh, let's see, adding some depth in the form of Dan Skipper, played for the Lions last season uh, just this week, a recent signing. Uh, he is a, a mammoth human being. He'll give Anthony Richardson a run for his money. Yeah. No, he's 6'9", 317, uh, quite a bit larger than, than AR5, and uh, wave Jordan Murray. Uh, to make room for him. Uh, some other uh, news and transactions this week. A couple corners signed that uh, that you probably won't see until the uh, third or fourth quarter of preseason games. Uh, added a tight end as well from the USFL Birmingham Stallions. Uh, go USFL. There we go. I mentioned Amari Rogers a little bit earlier. Uh, he he looked good today. Like I, I thought. Like I was out there and I like he looked shifty. He looked active. He looked alive. Um, it, it's always encouraging to see see a guy come in immediately and look good. So I mean, I I still think it's uh, he. There's a an uphill battle for Rogers to make the final roster, but um, you bring him in to, to give him some work and see what happens. So uh, he's in. He's five nine. He's in that that smaller. Um, That's what I, I thought was interesting. Role. He kind of yeah. joshed down. Isaiah McKenzie size right so um, bring in another guy like that and uh, if he has a specific role you could figure it out uh, but but yeah there it is so um, so those are our, our quick notes there uh, from uh, transactions throughout the week um, injury notes uh, Juju Brents as we mentioned has not hit the practice field yet but was working with trainers at the end of today boy you would sure like to see him as soon as possible out there on the field uh, Darius Rush has practiced for the first time uh, out there as well the fifth round pick uh, getting a little bit of work in we still haven't seen Julian Blackman there's another name chap that that I really would would have liked to see here in training camp because you're working him into more of the full-time strong safety role get him more used to that get as many reps as possible to just ju just ease the free safety bit out of his mind so you're completely comfortable in the strong safety role before the season like I have faith in in Blackman as a veteran that that he has his head on straight and he knows what's going on he's one of my favorite guys to interview on the team he's always really engaging and seems like a really smart young man but uh but at the same time like you if you're if you're changing positions full time from one year to the next you really want as much work as possible and right now he's just not getting those reps out there yeah, and one thing about injuries in training camp is if you've got something that's bothering you, they don't, you know, like like Matt said, hamstrings, you don't mess with them. Instead of being out five days, you're out, you know, four weeks. But, again, missed time for, for a defense that lost so many players 
and it's got some some you know chemistry issues to worry about. It's not good. That's why it goes back to Juju Brents and Darius Rush. Uh, you got to be on the field, and, and th- th- these are valuable snaps that, that uh, Blackman's missing, no question. Uh, a couple other players did not practice on Thursday. Defensive end, Samson Ebukam, offensive tackle, Jake Witt, tight end Jelani Woods still out. Uh, linebackers, Liam Anderson, EJ Speed. Speed out with a uh, ankle injury uh, uh, just just today. He, he was walking around and uh, no boot on there or anything, so uh, he looked looked acceptable probably should also mention uh shacks in practice but he's not doing 11 on 11 work right not in full pads right. at least so they're 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 taking it slowly there with him and have not seen any regression from shack so um like they haven't they haven't pulled him from things that he was doing before they're just keeping him from doing certain things that he hasn't done yet so just take as they should take it slowly with him he's the kind of guy who will run through a brick wall if you let him so it's probably a good idea it's always better to say whoa than giddy up that's what uh, jimbo fisher used to say back when he was head coach at florida state and i was but but a young buck covering uh covering uh, college football down there in tallahassee florida um what one a notable uh, development from practice today was that DeForest Buckner left a little bit early with a foot injury, limped off the field, uh, was there with the trainer, um, but but he did get off uh, just limping himself, um, didn't go back in after that. Um, but Shane Steichen didn't appear concerned, uh, but it, it's another example, Matt, of something that the chap just said. Like, if, if you're hurt at all during yeah, during preseason, just, especially if you're DeForest Buckner. Yeah, take take it easy. He, he's a guy that I'm fine with We're, we're fine, yeah. Like, if, cool. if Buck wants to take the rest of the preseason off, we'll, we're fine with that. Let's get some other people some work. We don't need to see him too much anymore. I, I completely agree. Taekwon Lewis still on physical, uh, physically unable to perform list himself. We'd love to see Taekwon back on the roster, too, at some point. I'm sure that they have a timetable for him. Um, getting back uh, on the field. Maybe he'll be back for uh, some of the joint practices later on. But if he, if he is then, like, you'd like to see him ramp up again to that. Like, e- each one of these guys, Chap, I think this is a, a, an interesting point to bring up, that each one of these guys who hasn't practiced yet, whether it's Lewis or Blackman or, uh, or Juju, Juju Brents, like, they need to ramp up. You want to not just throw them right into the fire. Like, with, with the players right now, they, they started with just helmets only and no pads at all, doing light one-hour practices. Well, today was the hardest practice so far of camp. It was an hour and 45 minutes long, the longest they've had so far. It was in full pads. They had multiple 11-on-11 11 sessions. You're going to have to work in some of these guys that haven't practiced at all to a group that has practiced a lot, who is a step or two ahead of them football-wise, and that's something the coaches are going to have to deal with when these guys finally do return from pup or just be uh, sitting out yeah i mean taekwon lewis is going to have to catch up they're not going to slow th- I, I just mentioned his name but or juju brent so they're going to have to be ready to go and catch up they're not going to hold practice back now practice back to let these guys get up to speed and i tell you of all the of all these guys taekwon lewis man you just keep your fingers crossed and is this the year that the, the guy stays healthy he was playing so well last year and then the patella, I use the patella, right? And that's two, two years in a row with a different patella. So at least he hasn't got three patellas to tear. But he, he's such, he's not a top-tier player, but he's the kind of guy you want in your rotation that when he goes in, you're not losing much. And he, he, he just needs to stay healthy, and hopefully this year he does. They're not. I agree with you, they've probably got a time table on him unlike other players that they don't share timetables. But uh, you, you keep your fingers crossed. I think it would be good for him to get back in 
I don't think for the Bears. I think that maybe is a bit quick. But hopefully he can get some some taste during preseason so that the regular season is not his first shot. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned last year that he was playing well before he was injured. Same thing two years ago. His, no his, in, his injury two years ago was the turning point of the season, in my mind. Uh, brutal. Tennessee, brutal. no question. Yeah, in the Tennessee game. They were already up 14-3 to three or something like that. And then they get that takeaway. He picks it up, going the other way. No one in his way. Just boom. Uh, Patel explodes. And then the Titans recover, and the next play, A.J. Brown is gone. And, and your season is completely different Ugh. from there on out. I'm, Matt, Matt is like headed hands over here. Uh, I have nightmares about that play, man. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a brutal turn of events, not just for, for the Colts, but, but for Tyquan specifically. And like all, all of us rooting for him to have a, a nice, clean season, a healthy season, let him put a good year on tape. And, and then continue his career in the NFL. Because I truly do believe, as you said, Chap, that he can be a contributor in this league if he stays healthy uh, for a good long time. Because teams like pass rushers, like you need and you want depth there. As Chris Ballard always says, you want eight guys. And Gus Bradley says, you want eight guys on that defensive line to reliably rush the quarterback. And, uh, and there aren't that many guys. Like if you have 32 teams and eight guys per team, that's 240 guys total on defensive line-ish, a little bit more than that. There aren't 240 better defensive linemen than Tyquan Lewis in, in, in the world. Like he, he's one of those guys up there. He's one of the elite of the elite. Uh, not in the, not, I, I wouldn't say like the elite of the elite in that 240, you know what I'm saying, but just yeah. in, in terms of uh, athletes and, and being and able he can to be play, in group. And he can play different spots. That, that, you know, the, the, those Always valuable. guys are so valuable. Mm-hmm. Yes, completely. So it is time for mediocre football again. The preseason is back tonight as we record this podcast on Thursday. It is the Hall of Fame game. The New York Jets face the Cleveland Browns in Canton, Ohio. I can't wait to see Aaron Rodgers play. I really, I'm, I'm pumped to see Aaron Rodgers play. That'd be fantastic. I, I don't know if he's going to suit up. Well, well, by the time you listen to this podcast, who knows? It might be, uh, might be well past it. But you have a better chance of playing tonight than Aaron Rodgers does. Yeah, it's true. It's a good point. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so Aaron Rodgers will probably be on the sidelines. Uh, we'll most likely be on the sidelines. We'll definitely be on the sidelines against the Browns. Is to, it the last uh, time that Aaron Rodgers was in Canton, Ohio, when, when the Colts and Packers played? Do I remember correctly? Might have been. And and the game was was canceled because of. Uh, Poor, Poor field, field conditions. conditions. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Good fun, times. Fun trip to Canton. Yeah. Nothing but good memories from there. Um, and the Colts' first preseason game, nine days away as of our recording of this podcast. We'll talk plenty more uh, about it uh, next week because we'll probably start asking more questions about it, it next week. Uh, not, not exactly on our minds yet as we're chatting with Shane Steichen and all the players, all about development and uh, working through the first, uh, first couple weeks of practice and all that stuff Did, didn't, right now. Didn't somebody ask Shane today about how he's looking to play his frontline players? and? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he he did. And he's, you know, uh, we're still we're still looking at that. You know, yeah, one of those type of answers. And we're going to get that through next week. I I don't think they're going to tell us much, and that's that's fine. But we'll still ask. I, I, I'm fine with that. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, ask. yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll say we're talk about it. next week. Yeah, uh, always push it back until you can't push it back anymore, and then say, oh, you'll find out on, on kickoff. So. That, that, that's standard operating procedure, and that's fine. Nobody cares. Uh, yeah, so uh, Colts face uh, the Buffalo Bills, uh, as I was saying, next Saturday, August 12th, uh, which will be broadcast, according to our very own Matt Adams here, according to uh, the Colts website, on, on our CBS4. <laughs> so uh, set, your, set your DVRs now accordingly. Uh, we do appreciate you listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, at Colts Blue Zone, for news and notes throughout the week. Uh, Matt Adams is at Statomatty on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. 
Uh, Mike Chapel is at mchapel51. I am at DaveG underscore sports. And uh, we will see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.